This is Life I Swear, where we share stories and reflections from Black women about trials in their lives that have helped them heal, connect, and process. Every week, we hold space for storytelling that both challenges and inspires us to be good to ourselves. I'm your host, Chloe Dulce Livueso. It's election week, and I hope everyone listening is exercising their right to vote. It goes without saying that we can't afford four more years. Vote on behalf of those who cannot. Vote because the elections are about more than the presidency. They're about mental health support, women's abortion rights, gun laws, police reform, prison reform, education, and gentrification. They're about climate change, the student debt crisis, DACA, the border crisis, immigrant rights, and the healthcare crisis. All of this actually makes this week's episode timely. I'm chatting with Latham Thomas, founder of Mama Glow, a global maternity education organization that leads game-changing doula training. Maternity health is a human rights issue. The United States has a grotesque history surrounding Black female reproductive health. Decades of health inequities have led to stark and worsening Black maternal health disparities and Black infant mortality. Doula support empowers our ability to advocate for ourselves during the birth journey to preserve and protect Black life because Black lives matter. And as Latham explains, it helps us connect with our trauma so that we can experience peace and joy. Latham talks about all of this and shares her beautiful birth story of ancestral connection with so much eloquence and heart. I encourage everyone to get to know Latham's work at Glowmaven on Instagram. She's a leading voice of our time, celebrating and centering on reclaiming our power in prenatal to postpartum experiences. You can join our community on Instagram at Life I Swear. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave us a review. They really make a difference. And now, let's get into it. So Lathan Thomas, everyone, Lathan, it's really meaningful for me to have you on the show, Life I Swear. The birth of my son was truly transformational experience for me and will be something that I will never forget. I think it was like the most present I've ever felt. Mm. And I was very centered in like every morsel of my body and spirit. And Mm. I have followed the body of your work ever since because it's just been so refreshing to see you advocate in the doula space the way you do, knowing that the intimate role doulas play have in the birth experience, but you're, you're a mother as well. So I'm wondering Mm -hmm. if you can tell us about your birth experience. Yeah. I mean, first, Chloe, thank you so much for having me and congratulations on, on the work, the podcast, on using your voice in this way. Yeah. And having a little one, it's like, (laughs) it is so transformative and so life affirming and empowering. I think, you know, what I experienced from my birth was something that 
also imprinted me for the rest of my life. And I feel that it's so beyond it being a human rights issue and an issue of really protecting and preserving black life. It is also one that I think when we talk about birth, it can't just be about surviving and experience. It has to be about joy mm -hmm. and it has to be about, you know, centering um, our power and recognizing that this is an opportunity for us to become our most powerful and our most vulnerable at the same time. Mm -hmm. It's this beautiful mm -hmm. dance with spirit and with our ancestry. It is a powerful and potent moment to be in dialogue with our healing and so I just feel like, you know, what we're, what we're missing in this process and what is, uh, what people are being denied, it goes beyond basic human needs, right? Mm -hmm. it, it, there's wisdom that's in our bones and that we carry through mm -hmm. these experiences of birth. And, and so the trauma then lays a foundation for a wound that finds its way woven through generations. Mm -hmm. And so... For me, I think it's, um, you know, something that I'm not only so passionate about reclaiming, but also really helping people understand what's at stake in terms of psychic wounds, what's, a, what's mm -hmm. at stake, not just physically and emotionally, but also what's at stake for the future, you know? And so my experience was really beautiful and I, my son's 17. And mm -hmm. so He's a cancer. He just turned 17 in July and, um, he was born on a full moon and a double rainbow. And he mm -hmm. would tell you that if he met you, <laughs> um, he's one of my greatest teachers in this earthly plane. Mm -hmm. And I would say that the experience was one where everyone involved learned and including myself, you know, I was in my mid twenties. I wasn't as I would say knowledgeable about sort of what my birth options were, but I did have a clear vision for how I wanted the process to be. And it was my son's father who said, let's try this birth center. And mm -hmm. I was like, do you think we could deliver there? He was like, I think so. And it took our insurance. It was perfect. We were in this space of being able to deliver with midwives. And, and so I got my care, you know, at this incredible space where to deliver there, you had to do 21 hours of education. Mm. And yeah, Even like they the weren't mother. like, you come in there. Yeah. Only the mothers wow. and the families. Yeah. Mothers and families, whoever is going to be at the birth has to do 21 hours education to deliver there. <laughs> so it was not like you just showed up and are figuring it out as you go. It was like, everyone was very astute mm -hmm. about the process that was going to unfold. Mm -hmm. And which means that you're going to be a better advocate. You're going to be more comfortable. You're going to feel safe, you know, if you have this foundation. And so that was my experience. And the night that I went into labor, or I should say the night that my water actually broke before I went into labor, I had walked around, you know, days for that day, but really the whole weekend, I did a lot of walking and felt the baby very low and I felt the full moon coming. And, and so just moving with that moony energy, mm -hmm. um, did a lot of stuff like in the evening and, and then we just kind of settled in for the evening. I remember that night I was in bed, I had washed, took a shower, put up my shea butter on, whatever I was in mm -hmm. the bed 
And I remember just saying, I wish this baby would give me a sign, you know, I'm exhausted. And I just, I want it to be the end, you know, because it should just be time, you know, mm-hmm. like he should be here. Right. I want to meet him. And it was hot. <laughs> and so I remember being in the bed and listening to Mahalia Jackson and she was bellowing out just beautiful gospel cries. And, mm. and I remember I felt 20 minutes after I said those words, I wish this baby would give me a sign. I felt this pop and I was like, what is that? And then I felt the warm gushiness Mm -hmm. of water and it felt actually relieving and soothing, but also confusing. Yeah. And so he was like, you're peeing in the bed. I was like, I'm not peeing in the bed. I promise. And he's like, get up, get up. And I got up and it was water all over the floor. I was like, oh my gosh, it's like, you know, it's happening. Mm -hmm. And so we called the midwives. We're like, it's happening. We're psyched. Like the water just broke. They're like, okay, go to bed. I was like, go to bed. I'm too excited to go to bed. I can't go to sleep. And so um, I stayed up and my son's godfather came over and we were all hanging out. And he had me, like, he would always come by and bring like, you know, gallons of filtered water. And, mm-hmm. and so I was like drinking water and watching jazz documentaries with him until like four in the morning. And I was like, why am I not asleep? But I just couldn't. I was too excited. Right. And so I started to feel stuff around 6.30. I was like, oh, wow, like something's going on finally, you know? And then I slept and you then I woke up. You weren't having contractions? I didn't feel anything. I mean, oh, you wow. can have, like your water can break and be yeah. like, make, be like, it could be a day before you feel right. anything, yeah. you know? So it doesn't mean instantly that anything will happen, but it does mean that, you know, usually... Within, you know, 24, 36, 40 hours, the baby would come. If you're in the hospital, they mm-hmm. want the baby to, in, within that first 24 hours of the water breaking. But, you know, I was going to a birth center. So there's just like a gentleness around the process. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was building. But yeah, like nothing had happened until then. I mean, it was going, but I didn't feel anything. And then I felt around it was like six, seven hours later, I started feeling stuff mm-hmm. and then it, w- it picked up very quickly. So the opening was happening while I was resting, you know, like all the dilating was happening while I was, while I was, um, you know, watching the jazz documentaries and enjoying mm-hmm. myself. And then, and then I started to really feel just my son coming down and I felt just the intensity of the contractions were really starting to pick up very quickly. And so by 8am it was intense. And by nine, I was like, okay, we should go. But I mean, I didn't feel anything at 6 a.m., right? Mm-hmm. So so we headed over to the birth center and we got in a taxi and my grand, my son's grandfather, his father, and his godfather mm-hmm. were all there. And we get there and they're like, hurry. Well, the grandfather was like, hurry, get her in the bed, get her in the bed. And they yeah. just like watched and they were quiet. And they observed me for maybe like five minutes before they even did anything. And then they said, okay, cool. Let's go in the back. And they were like, whoa, you know, just like the process was just so, you know, just setting the tone for the experience. Yeah. So then we went into the birthing room and it was dark and it was set up like a cave and, you know, there was a skylight, I remember. So there was very faint sort of diffused light coming in and no lights were on. I was in a tub with jets. I felt the jets on my belly and on my lower back. I can remember just being in the tub mm-hmm. and the feeling of swaying and finding my rhythm and being in the trance really. Yeah. And, um, you know, 
the birth trance is so powerful. And I feel like people don't realize that, you know, it is a meditation, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, um, yeah, so I was in this meditation and I remember when it was time to release my son, I was in the tub and we got out to get into the the bed to release to squat because his cord was like over his shoulder, which we couldn't know until he came down, but he had like a little heart deceleration. And so they said, you know, they didn't tell me this, but you know, of course, afterwards they were able to tell me, but they said, let's get him, let's have him now. Let's get out and get in the, the bed. I was like, okay, cool. So we got there and I was squatting and then I just felt this halo Mm-hmm. of energy around me. And I looked up and I saw in like a horseshoe shape, I saw my ancestors wow. and I looked up and I pointed and I said, Oh, I want to go there. And everyone looked to where I was pointing, which would be the ceiling. But I saw people who were cloaked and robed and hovering over me. And I didn't recognize, and I still don't recognize the faces when I even envision it. But it was like a soul recognition that those were my people and that's where I was supposed to be. And so mm-hmm. I felt myself leave my body and go and hover above. And I watched my son be born that way. And I wow. dictated to everybody in the room what I saw. And it was not possible for me to see from the vantage point of how my body was positioned physiologically. Mm-hmm. And so everyone recalls, my midwife recalls, my son's father, of course, my best friend who was there, you know, they all remember like that, how just out of body of an experience it was. And I think, you know, I didn't have the language at the time to just to really explain and Mm -hmm. put sort of any verbiage to what happens and the altered states of consciousness we move through and the incredible hormonal systems that are at play, but also the the neurochemicals that create this altered state of consciousness that helps you to get to a place where you have a transcendent moment and that you can be in this primal connection with your ancestors. And this is like our ancestral technology that kicks in. And so that happened for me. And, um, you know, now I can explain it, you know, to people and, and certainly teach this to people that this is possible. But at the time, you know, I didn't have that as a, I didn't have the the language. And so mm-hmm. I didn't tell people about it at first because I thought people would think I was yeah. making it up or that, you know, somehow I got things confused, but yeah, that's how it happened for me. And so it was really transformative, but it also imprinted an experience that I'll never forget. And one that, you know, guided me. I think I was talking to someone who actually made it very clear for me because I was saying, yeah, I think, you know, my initiation into birth work came through an experience that I had. And it wasn't this one that I was mm, talking about. Really? And they were like, well, I feel like it was like that moment when they showed up and you were with them. I was like, that, that probably was it really, you know, mm-hmm. even though I didn't know in that moment that that would be, yeah. you know, that I would be stepping into this work. There were other moments that were more clear, but this probably was that, that kind of, you know, just like that ushering, you know, mm-hmm. to the doorstep yes. of birth work. And it took time for it to set up, but that was definitely a pivotal moment. Oh, I love, I love that. It's such a mystical experience and everyone's is, is different, but it's, it's such an intangible experience that is definitely out of body. And I've, I've said, I've explained it as kind of a meditation as well. 
And for some, that's like hard to believe because birth is seen as such a painful, chaotic experience, you know, in media and, you know, just imagery that we see. But I had, I, I didn't have a similar experience in terms of like having that ancestral connection, but I had a home birth and I had a midwife and a doula and the father of my son and my mother with me, but it was just the father of my son and I alone during the entire labor until I was sent 10 centimeters dilated mm-hmm. and others didn't come until I think half an hour before I actually started to push. And he was just incredibly supportive. He was, you know, patient and of service. And I felt truly empowered, like through and through probably the most like capable, strongest, most resilient I've ever felt in that moment. It was almost like I felt like a, a warrior with such a sense of duty, but we know that's not always the case. And, you know, one thing I, I've been doing some digging of, of your past work. One thing I read that you wrote in the well and good article is that women can lose their sense of dignity and autonomy if they don't have someone to advocate for them. And so I'm wondering why are, why do you think a sense of self and a sense of connection and that community, all of those things are so critical to kind of the ecosystem of the birth experience? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's important to have your own sense of self and where you begin and where you end Mm -hmm. and where people fit into the process. You know, when you're in kind of like a trance-like state, it is hard to acquire. It's hard to like access language. It's Mm -hmm. like all these things Mm -hmm. aren't available to us when we're at that heightened state in whether it's arousal or whether it's birth, even in trance-like states when we are in um, ceremony and which many people experience through religious or mystical traditions, Mm -hmm. it's really hard to access your language. And so So um, having the support person who knows that you need to be in this primal inner animal allows you to kind of stay there to get through this rite of passage. And so it's not so much that, you know, the doula is speaking for you or advocating for you, but is holding space for you mm-hmm. and really supporting alongside you when it's time for you to advocate for yourself. And so what is what that looks like in our modern birthing scenarios is like, you know, not just in the birth process, but like in the perinatal process, being able to speak up for yourself in Mm -hmm. your appointments, being able to communicate to your providers what your needs are, you know, feeling the safety to talk about things that are uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. whether that's with your provider or your doula, feeling the, if it's necessary, being able to switch providers Mm -hmm. to one that makes sense for you and for what your desires are. I mean, it means a lot of things, but I think asking someone in the moment where they're most vulnerable Mm -hmm. is not the time to be asking them questions. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we have to really understand. And I guess 
you know, in our teaching with working with medical students and helping them understand, you know, the altered states of consciousness that, you know, and the sort of the ascension out of this uh, thinking state, which is very important and it's what birth requires of us. Mm-hmm. I think pe- helping people understand that helps them to figure out like a lot of things that they're doing that can be harmful or mm-hmm. that can be distracting or that can be, you know, that can be mitigated, you know, if there was a better set of best practices in place. And so, you know, as we seek to reestablish safety and, you know, especially in settings that are traditionally not supporting people of color, Mm -hmm. supporting black women, you know, femmes, LGBTQ plus folk who are in this space and, and know that like our bodies are not seen as, um, as valued, you know, it's hard to show up to these spaces and know that you have clients or you yourself may not be perceived as, as someone who's important to take care of. And so, you know, we have people who are now pregnant and entering into this process who are afraid, who are reading reports about maternal deaths, who are seeing that they are part of the communities that are categorized as having risk factors Mm -hmm. by just being black, you know? And so I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, making sure that people do feel that they have the, the level of confidence the advocacy tools, the education, like everything Mm -hmm. that'll help them feel most comfortable in moving through this process. And as they acquire those tools and as they have all those things in place for themselves, you know, be able to um, lean on whoever's there and hopefully there is support. Hopefully there's a partner. if, If there's one present, hopefully there's, you know, a parent or a doula or somebody in place for the safety net. And also having, you know, the birth village intact, like what does their birth village look like? And that's going to really contribute to someone's perinatal experience, but also the postpartum experience that they have. Right. And so I think part of our work is, is really helping to draw an arc for what's possible and help people to live into their experience, whatever that's going to be, but also make sure that they feel empowered through the process, irregardless of, you know, the, the, the birth progression and outcome. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're really concerned with how someone processes the experience, what their recollection of that experience is, how they remember it and file it mm-hmm. as a, as a experience. Is it one that they felt empowered? It, was it traumatic? Like we really want to find ways for people to, release things that find their way lodged into our tissues, right? Because trauma has a very peculiar way of doing that. And so, so much of the work is to unbind a lot of what has occurred and file it properly. Mm -hmm. And what does that mean? There's like somatic practices. There's many things that we can do with people after these experiences that we had hoped would be empowering that have left us traumatized. And also another thing is that you don't have to have had the traumatic experience to be impacted by trauma. We are all connected. And so hearing or reading about someone else's experience is enough to cause fear and is it's enough to allow your brain to move into a, a place of uh, a feeling threat, you know, even if it's imagined. Right. So, um, I think that's important for people to understand too, is that 
the lived experience of racism in this country, the lived experience of trauma through through people who have been harmed, especially, especially through medical racism and, mm-hmm. and negligence, it means that collectively we carry a wound, right? Not mm-hmm. just individuals. And so, so our work is really, I think, about helping people come on the other side of that. Yeah, so, so much of the work we do with the doulas is also about educating them. But not only that, it's it's really them coming to confront their own trauma and live into the experience of peace and and feel supported along their journeys too, so that they can help their clients who, you know, are on their own respective journeys as well. Yeah. No, I love that. It's like because there's such a a spectrum of the level of support and the level of education that people have going into to birth. Birth could either be a very traumatic experience or that source of power and joy that you you were first talking about. But if we don't have, you know, the education and trust in whomever is taking, you know, taking care of us through the process, we often default to fear. And one of the biggest things that I loved about my birth experience was that it required me to really be fully present in the moment and you are there. And one of the things that my doula told me was that no one is, no one is pregnant for 11 or 12 months. When you are ready, when your body and your baby is ready, you're, you're doing it. And so there's, it's like a moment for me. I I saw it as a moment of decision. Like I can either let this experience be fear driven or faith driven and, you know, just really taking or having ownership of the experience rather than entering it, feeling like I was overpowered by the, the pain or the fear itself. And so it's, for me, it had to be, I had to be more like more conscious about connecting to myself physically and mentally and spiritually to confront my own fear or my own lack of faith in my ability to do it. And, you know, one of the things, you know, there's even like research that confirms that when we anticipate pain, our bodies tense up in a natural and like automatic response. And those like tensing muscles can actually make us experience pain even more intensely. So that's why I kind of equate it to needing to be a warrior in the sense of physically, but also having the confidence to advocate for ourselves too. And so I say that my birth was transformational because it's kind of been a reference and like a metaphor for how I've approached a lot of things in life since then. You know, we're working in partnership, not just with ourselves and our body, but also with, for me, it was also with, you know, God and the higher, higher, a higher power. But how did birth and just your journey of being a doula so far how does it influence how you live today, both in the val- your, how you value wellness um, holistically, but also in the way you channel your personal resilience or your personal strength when it's not related to birth? I mean, I think everything is birth. I mean, we're mm. every day we wake up and, you know, there's a dawn that's born 
there's a flower that opens to receive dew and to be suckled from by pollinators. There are, I mean, everything in our ambient mm-hmm. landscape is is in a constant dance of, of lovemaking, mm. of birthing, and um, that is, I think, the force that drives the universe is one of a cosmic dance of, of really of love. And mm-hmm. so I feel like it's in everything yeah. that we touch. So, and all around us all the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I live in a place where like we have a roof garden and we have a backyard where there's all these plants and so I'm constantly every day and in my kitchen there's plants my whole house there's plants but like in my kitchen garden there's plants and I'm just Mm -hmm. watching seasonally the evolution and so I think when like you know when when you're engaging with things that are growing you also see when they move through their phases of life, which I think is so important for us to teach young people about, you know, plant systems and teach them about like growth. Because I think when people take care of things that grow, they value life. And Mm. so, so I just see it as, as part of everything that I do, but, and also I think it's really about for me, uh, engagement with, with being soft and being supple. And I think that that's what um, pregnancy offers us is like this expansiveness through growth of our bodies and changes that occur that are incredible that never happen at any other time in your life. Mm -hmm. And there's a softness that shows up and a suppleness that shows up physically that also really guides us, I think, spiritually and mentally to be soft and be supple. And so I also seek to, to be supple. I also seek to be soft and move away from a, a narrative of strength that's been like, I think, a curse um, to Black women. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that if we were seen as soft, we would be protected. You know, mm-hmm. we would be, we would have, we wouldn't be in this position. I mean, I think even moving into a hospital space, for instance, institutions where, we're not, we're seen as strong. Right. And so people are looking at us like, you don't need medical attention because you can wait. You don't need anesthesia because you don't feel pain. Right. Like Mm -hmm. we're dehumanized because of strength. And so I think that the narrative really doesn't fit us. I think it, it's been, um, something that's characterized strength is characterized through other women as being a feminine force and being something that can be liberating. But when it's laid onto us, it's actually shackling. And so I seek to free not only myself, but also my lineage from having to live Mm -hmm. into that as a paradigm and live into that as a, as a mantra. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so everything I do for me is connected to that, you know, softness. Mm -hmm. So I think it's about being gentle with my son. It's about being gentle with the people I work with. It's about, you know, being patient. It's about kindness, listening, using all the skills that I've used um, in my doula practice um, are just like life skills Mm -hmm. and life tools that I just use period. Mm -hmm. So 
I think there's like really not a separation except for I'm just not in the delivery room. And certainly now I'm not as much because I teach more and I do more advocacy work and um, yeah, and more education. So it's about like kind of being apex of, of like sort of a new, the newness or the, the beginning of something with like the students, right. The beginning mm-hmm. of their journey and learning. Or, mm-hmm. And so for me, that is, that is an embrace that I, that I appreciate and that I kind of lean into right now as I'm not doing as many births so that I can help the next generation that will be doing more births. I can help them to, see it in a way where they might not have and Mm -hmm. internalize information in a different way. And also for, you know, hopefully for other people who are of color that want to be doing this work alongside us, that they will be influenced in a way that they can also liberate their lineages through this work. And so, yeah, I see, I see it all woven. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. I agree. And I feel like when we embody that it is a true act of grace, we are giving ourselves to just, um, lean into our, our, you know, I, I think about like masculine and feminine energies that we channel. And sometimes when we're as mothers and as women, we're, when we are taking care of others, we are channeling a masculine energy because we want to, we're kind of, falling into that narrative of strength. But when we're taking care of ourselves, which is where, you know, it starts, it's, it's giving ourselves the grace to have that softness. And I really appreciate that. Mm. Thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you. Thank you, Latham. It has been, it has been beautiful to, to speak with you. And I feel like a few light bulbs have, have come off in this conversation for me. So I so appreciate it. I feel like it's so necessary to reframe how we are approaching and talking about birth. Um, mm-hmm. And your voice is, is so powerful in that ongoing dialogue within, especially for black women in the community. So thank you for your work and thank you for your time. Chloe, thank you too. And thank you for sharing your birth and helping people to normalize Mm -hmm. and to also reclaim and elevate Mm -hmm. this experience. When we talk about it, I think it's, um, it's one where people are, even though they see in popular culture, they hear about it, they know it happens. It still feels like it's a behind closed Mm -hmm. door thing. Absolutely. Right. And so the more people I think share the power, the beauty and the truth of what their experience was, it makes other people know what's possible for Mm -hmm. them. So it's really important, you know, so thank you and continue to shine the light and beat the drum. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Thank you. Be blessed. Yeah, (laughs) you too. Thank you for listening to Life I Swear. You can follow Life I Swear on Instagram. And if you haven't yet, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you get your podcast fix. And learn more at lifeiswear.com. I hope you join me next week for another episode.
In the meantime, be well, friend. Thank you.